from the comments. Ryan Raver writes, I've been told the first thought that goes through your head is the way society has shaped you. The second thought that goes through your head is who you are as a person. Now, my first thought when I read that was, that's stupid. But the second thought I had was, oh no, I think that's right. Now, specifically, that was in reference to Ethan Klein, who we talked about yesterday on the Memorial Day show, saying something very, very big and then immediately pulling it back. But yeah, thank you, Raver, for making it so that I second guess every thought I have for at least the next 24 to 36 hours. But anyway, sup you beautiful bastards, welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show, hit that like button and let's just jump into it. Hey y'all, first up today, please say your reason for calling. Yeah, my card got declined. Your thumbnails contain too much, Ethan Klein. Press one if- No, well, yeah. That's a different thing. So many of you, like myself, know the struggle of just trying to get a fucking human on the phone when you're calling one of these companies. Like, it sucks to the point that everyone has, like, kind of a game plan when they call. It's like, okay, I'm going to call. The moment I hear a voice, I'm going to start just hitting zero or zero pound zero or just some random bullshit when it should just be easy. And apparently among those that think this is the socialist-led coalition government in Spain because they just introduced a bill that will force companies to give you a real flesh-and-blood human being with a soul or maybe not a soul, but definitely emotions. Well, maybe not emotions, but the power of understanding sometimes if you ask for one during a customer service call, though specifically this will only apply to companies that provide basic services like utilities, phone, internet, etc., as well as any with more than 250 workers or that make over $53 million per year. And on top of that, this bill also does away with long wait times, forcing companies to answer the phone within three minutes, plus mandating utilities and others keep their customer service open 24-7, 365 days out of the year, with all other companies having to do the same during working hours. And to top it all off, customer complaints must must be responded to within 15 days. So firms that break the law would have to pay a fine anywhere between $160 to over $100,000. With their consumption minister saying, customer service is a critical part of our relations with consumers, which unfortunately and far too often causes endless headaches for Spanish families because far too many companies create bureaucratic labyrinths to stop you from exercising your right to service. And you know, many who agree are like, yeah, corporations are incentivized to just dump you down the rabbit hole of automated dialogue trees rather than invest in a customer support team. Though on the other side, those same companies would argue they need to cut costs to stay competitive and customer service is one way to do that. And the thing is, well, I know for some, this can kind of seem like a petty issue, right? A minor inconvenience for most people hassling with cable companies or airlines. There are also instances like if your internet's down or you're having issues with gas or electricity, being stuck on hold for hours can fuck you over. Especially if between work and kids, you just don't have the time. And, you know, personally, I'd love to see something like this in the United States because when you get stuck in one of those rabbit holes, it makes people so angry, they might say, someone should bomb that building. But they should not do that or say that. And then I'd like to take a second to wish everyone a happy, Bo Burnham dropped content within the last 24 to 36 hours day. As you may or may not know, here on the Philip DeFranco Show, this is a holiday, a working holiday, but still a holiday. And specifically, he released over an hour of unseen footage from his special Inside. And among the things included, you have outtakes and B-roll, as well as alternate versions of songs like All Eyes on Me, as well as completely new skits and bits. And actually, one of those that's gained some traction on social media in the past 24 hours is a bit where he seems to be making fun of comedian dude bro podcasts. They don't understand comedy. Of course okay. not. We're joking. We, it is not They're that jokes. serious, guys. Okay. It's we're, not we're that serious. Joking around. And also, all right. we as I, I, comedians are philosophers. Yes. All right. Dude, Lenny Bruce, Richard we, Pryor. We, we, we hold up a mirror. History changing or, uh, cultural uh, figures. And you need um, to recognize we, uh, that. All right. Comedy is an art form. Yeah, of course right? it is. We're artists. It's an art form. And, what, and, and, and it's important because it's one of the yeah. only art forms that is not gay. 
No, or, well, no, we can't say that, but, right. um, but yeah, yeah, gay, but yeah, not now they're going to come after yeah, us, right? Uh, we're going to get right. canceled we're for not, saying this. You homophobes. It, we're, not, we're not being homophobic okay. no, it's when fu- we say that. We, it's gay is just If there was another gay. word that meant gay that wasn't gay, we'd use we that, would. but there isn't one. But there isn't, so we, it's um, gay. But yeah, so it's really just a war on comedy that I yeah. realized, I was, you know, I was having a conversation with my sparring partner. Nice. And it seems to be, especially because the bit at the end about having a sparring partner, a number of people saw this as, you know, Bo Burnham taking a swing or a jab at Joe Rogan. And here's the thing, he may or he may not, but he, he didn't specifically mention him by name. And I think like bro podcaster talking about cancel culture is like an entire genre at this point. But regardless of all of that, I just want to say thank you, Bo Burnham, for blessing the timeline with this. Granted, for a little bit, it brought me back to the headspace I was at right before you released Inside, which I think for a lot of people was like this cathartic experience. What a weird and horrible, exhausting time that was. And while you'd probably just cringe at the, the praise, uh, thank you for it. And then, did you know that over 1 million sexually transmitted infections are acquired every day worldwide and 51% of people report potential uncomfortable discussions with a healthcare provider as their reason for not getting tested? Well, that is why it's important to tell you about our partner and the sponsor of today's show, Let's Get Checked, an easy, confidential way to get tested from the comfort of your own home. Let's Get Checked sends a discreet, confidential box to your house. You'll collect your sample and return it using a prepaid shipping label with confidential results available in a secure online account within two to five days of arrival and a nurse will come contact you for a consultation over the phone once the results have been reviewed by LGC's medical team. In some cases, a Let's Get Checked nurse practitioner will be able to provide prescriptions direct to your pharmacy. And all data is anonymized to ensure privacy throughout their entire HIPAA-compliant process. And Let's Get Checked laboratories have the highest ranking levels of accreditation, CLIA-approved and CAP-accredited. So do yourself and your partner a favor. Get checked and pick a complete eight test today. Get access to home testing and professional medical consultations without ever having to leave your home. It's just good to know. And you can use code DeFranco for 30% off your order at trylgc.com slash DeFranco. And then, with it being incredibly likely that the Supreme Court is going to overturn Roe v. Wade sometime in June, we're seeing a lot of states and cities making moves, including Austin. Right, because for some background here, in addition to currently having some of the strictest abortion restrictions in the country already, Texas is one of the 13 states that have so-called trigger laws that would take effect almost immediately after Roe v. Wade is overturned. And according to Politico, Texas's trigger law, which would go into effect 30 days after SCOTUS overturns Roe, includes the nation's harshest criminal penalties on abortion. Under the law there, performing, inducing, or attempting an abortion where, quote, an unborn child dies as a result of the offense would be considered a first-degree felony. Are you talking about, in addition, defines up to life in prison? Well, their provision has an exemption to save the life of a pregnant person. There are none for rape or incest. Beyond that, abortion rights activists say that the language in the Texas law is so vague that it could be used to not only target abortion providers, but also people who end their own pregnancies using medical abortion pills. And so as a result, Austin City Council member Cheeto Vela explains, in Texas, you're an adult at 17. We are looking at the prospect of a 17-year-old girl who has an unplanned pregnancy and is seeking an abortion being subjected to first degree felony charges, up to 99 years in jail, and that's just absolutely unacceptable. So, to preempt this, Vela and a group of other Austin City Council members have proposed a resolution that would essentially decriminalize abortion in the city if Roe is overturned, a move that has been described as the first push by a major city in a red state to try to circumvent state abortion policy. The resolution, dubbed Austin's Guarding the Right to Abortion Care for Everyone or Grace Act, is still in draft form, but Vela says that it aims to protect both patients and providers in two key ways. First, it would restrict city funds from being used to investigate or report any suspected abortions, and second, it would also make the investigation of alleged abortion crimes the lowest priority for the Austin Police Department and advise them not to cooperate with other law enforcement agencies on these matters. And while yes, the Grace Act is still in its early stages, experts have said that other parts of Texas could follow suit because they are given a lot of discretion to decide what laws they want to prioritize and how they will enforce them. And all of this makes sense for Austin. For years, they've implemented efforts to protect abortion access in the city, including providing logistical support, transporting, lodging, and childcare. And that's in addition to already district attorneys in several major Texas counties saying they would refuse to prosecute people who 
seek to terminate their pregnancy if the state's trigger law takes effect. And so obviously as we see this play out in Austin, it's very likely we're gonna see this play outside of Texas. But for now, that's where we are as we wait to see this incredibly consequential decision come down sometime in the next month. Also in other news regarding Roe v. Wade, the walls might be closing in on whoever leaked the draft opinion in the first place. Or as you might remember, first most people assumed that it was probably a left-leaning clerk trying to blow the whistle. Then you had some speculating that it could have actually been a conservative trying to set the opinion in stone before it got revised. And pretty soon we may find out who's right because the investigation opened by the court earlier this month is getting serious. With three sources telling CNN that officials are now taking steps to require law clerks to provide cell phone records and sign affidavits. With some clerks reportedly so alarmed that they're considering hiring outside counsel. And some lawyers with us warning that the move on cell phone data could be potentially intrusive, raising tensions within the Supreme Court to almost unprecedented levels. Though, very notably, the exact language of the affidavits, the intended scope of the cell phone search, its content, and the time period covered are still unknown. We're also finding out that Chief Justice John Roberts met with law clerks following the leak, but it's unclear whether systematic individual interviews were conducted. And of course, to be clear, we don't know for sure if it was even one of the clerks who leaked the draft. Right? Key staffers within each justice's chambers and select administrative offices would have had access to it. Plus, you also have the justices themselves, though uh, one of them doing that seems far-fetched. But the list of potential people, it, it's long or short depending on how you look at it. Former clerks reportedly told CNN that the draft could have been sent through regular channels to nearly 75 people. And then, you know, in the wake of the mass shooting of an elementary school in Texas last week, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, what regulation, what legislation might we see in the United States? Well, right now, anything definitive remains to be seen. Our neighbors in the North are moving. With Prime Minister Justin Trudeau revealing yesterday that his government is introducing new gun regulations. We're introducing legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. What this means is that it will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns anywhere in Canada. Meaning that eventually privately held handguns will largely be a thing of the past there. And I say largely because there are a handful of extremely narrow exceptions to the law that give an extremely small number of people access to handguns. With Trudeau stating that the law was necessary to combat rising violent crime in the country and adding that the firearm should only be used for sports shooting and hunting. But by no means is that all because while an eventual ban on handgun ownership is the headline grabbing part of the legislation, it does include other things as well. It also gives authorities the ability to revoke firearm licenses from gun owners involved in domestic violence or criminal harassment. And it would restrict handgun magazines to just five rounds, putting it in line with current regulations on most rifle magazines. Now, right now, the law is expected to pass. It's been widely met with praise there, with some even asking that a general ban on handguns be implemented, something that was already done with military-style weapons a few years ago. But, of course, that does not mean there hasn't been some pushback. Right? Well, Canadians don't have a right to firearms like we do here in the United States, they are still quite popular compared to most nations. With one of the biggest criticisms and accusations is that all of this is just borderline performative action. And that's because handguns, like most firearms in Canada, are at least considered restricted weapons. And that comes with a slew of licensing requirements such as background and mental health checks, as well as limits on how the gun can be stored and where it can be used. But possibly the biggest criticism is that this targets legal handgun owners under the guise of public safety, even though they rarely commit crimes. Right? Licensed gun owners commit homicide at just 0.6 per 100,000, which is far less than Canada's national average of 1.85 per 100,000 people. Now, that's not to say that gun crime isn't happening in Canada, because it definitely does. But that's because many firearms illegally make their way into Canada from the United States, where buying a gun is way easier and rarely track, with them often eventually finding their way to either gangs or violent individuals. But people have countered those criticisms, pointing out that Trudeau's legislation is looking to target this problem specifically by increasing the penalties for smuggling firearms as well as giving authorities more resources to tackle the problem. But ultimately, that is where that story and today's show ends. Thank you for watching, like, and being a part of that conversation down below. My name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces, and I'll see you tomorrow.